Welcome to this episode of the John Henry Weston Show, where we're very pleased to bring you a guest. Old, old friend of mine, actually. We only had the great pleasure of meeting once before. And when I met him last time, he was just about to enter the Catholic Church. And now he has. He's got an absolutely fascinating story of from anti-Catholic to Catholic, from a Democrat supporter, really anti-Republican, to one of the biggest Trump supporters in the state of Georgia. You're going to want to stay tuned. Let's begin, as we always do, with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. YG, good to be with you. Hey, good to be with you, brother. Thanks for having me on, man. And what a great introduction. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, YG Nightstorm, ladies and gentlemen, is just uh, a man of very interesting talents. But what's I found most touching and amazing is his background. Um, YG was a young boy when he was uh, growing up in a very difficult situation. You know what, YG, I'm going to let you describe what happened in brief so that we know where you came from. Okay, well, thank you for the opportunity. And, um, and in 1985, and I know that makes me sound old, but in 1985, I was 11 years old. And I was like a lot of people in, in our country right now, growing up in a broken home, uh, mom hating dad, dad hating mom, and eventually dad left. But it was a very, very broken and toxic environment. And, and I started, when I started looking more like my father, my mother became very angry because of their toxic relationship of abuse. And now I'm looking like the man who was abusing her. And it got so bad with us, uh, my mom decided to send me to camp. And she said, I just need a break from you. I'm, I'm tired of looking at your father's face and I need a break from you. So she sent me to camp and at camp, I befriended a gentleman who was very, very charismatic. He was a, a, a very strong man of God within the church, uh, within the Catholic church actually. And he saw that I was uh, always quiet, never hanging around people. And I shared with him my story of growing up uh, being uh, basically harmed at home sometimes, trapped between the war between my parents. And I just didn't know where to turn to. And he kept telling me about God, but the crazy thing is, I started seeing him as a, a secondary father figure. I started trusting this man. And unfortunately, on the last day of camp, the very last day of camp, when people were starting to get on the buses, he pulled me into a cabin, and that is when he raped me. And I was shocked because I could not believe what was going on. I couldn't believe what was happening because of the amount of trust I had put into him. And as he was forcing himself on me, he was saying, this is what God wants. Don't fight this. If you ever tell anybody, God will dispatch angels to wherever you are and murder you and your mom in your sleep. Uh, and you will be cursed for the rest of your life with a very failed and painful life if you ever told anyone. And for a long time, I believed that. You're talking about an 11-year-old kid 
And when he was done, I ran out of that cabin, got on the bus, didn't say anything to anyone. I was in immense pain, if you can imagine. Uh, and I'm not going to get into any of the details, but it destroyed my soul. It destroyed any kind of hope or love I had for God, any kind of understanding that I had for God. And it definitely sent me on this uh, very, very wicked path of hating and disdaining anything Catholic, anything Catholic. Um, and I grew up with that pain and I grew up with that toxicity until later on in life, um, once I was homeless on the streets, I was 18 years old and my mom and I got into another one of our epic fights because I was looking exactly like my father. Uh, she kicked me out of her home and I was sleeping on the streets of Atlanta. And at that time I hated God even more because God allowed me, so-called allowed me to get raped as a kid. And now I don't have this uh, relationship with my mom. I don't have a relationship with my dad. I'm living this cursed life. And now I'm on the streets. I've been beat up. I've been robbed. I've been urinated on. I've been taken advantage of. I've completely given up all hope in life until an old man in a Rolls Royce pulled up next to me. He got out of his car. He prayed over me and he told me that God loved me and that I am going to change the world on my story and to go out and help people. And of course, at 18, I didn't believe him at the time. I'm like, to hell with God, to hell with you, to hell with everything else. But he prayed over me and he said, God loves you. And just as sure as you were sleeping on the streets right now, 40, 50 years ago, when I was a young man in Chicago, I was sleeping on the streets, completely giving up on God. And a gentleman got out of his car, came to me, and he put a pair of socks on my feet and told me that God loved me. So, young man, I'm going to do this for you. So he, he took off his pair of Argyle socks, John Henry, and he put them on my feet because I had been robbed of my socks and my shoes. And he prayed over me again. And he said, just as sure as these socks cover your feet, God is going to cover your life. Go forth and love people and change things. And of course, it took me a little bit longer after that. But that is what initiated my renewance of faith in God. And eventually, many, many years later, after raising seven children, uh, I was introduced to some wonderful gentlemen within the Catholic Church, befriended them, uh, still had my angst against the church, but being involved in their activities, their families welcomed my family in. I started going to Mass, and at one night, the Lord woke me up and said, YG, I want you to be a part of my church. And instead of railing against my church in hate, I want you to be a part of my church and help bring healing to my church. And that is when my faith journey of the Catholic faith began. Amazing. Just amazing. I think this will resonate with so many people because there are a lot of people who have been harmed uh, in so many ways, but people who know people who have been harmed. And yet there's hope, there's healing, there's redemption from the worst of all circumstances. Your, your, your story is so incredible for that reason. Um, so thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I, I, I pray it's an encouragement to lots of people. Now, let's get into a little bit um, what you've been doing, because what has gone on in your life is just so absolutely unreal. And yet today you are 
on a very different track where you were before. Politically speaking, you were a, a, a what I a, I presume a Democrat supporter before, and yet now you are way out front in supporting Trump. Yes, um, actually, you know, and it, it all ties back in with my faith with with the church. You know, I was proud to come into the church January seventh, twenty eighteen, and that is the day I officially came into the church. But I started paying attention more about policies and looking over my life. And the biggest thing uh, that has really affected me personally is this this thing with abortion. Okay, now let me tell you why. I know it's a toxic subject, but let me tell you why. In 1999, I was uh, engaged to a young lady and I wanted to marry her and she was pregnant with my twins, Howard and Hank. And we were in love, but we got into this argument and I don't even remember what we were arguing about, but it was a doozy. And so I said, you know something, let's stop this argument right now because you're pregnant with the twins and on Monday I'm gonna take you to the doctor to get your prenatal stuff checked out and everything is fine, I still love you, bye. So I thought it back on the Monday, no answer. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday went by, no answer. She finally picked up seven days later, I talked to her and I said, well, how'd your doctor's visit go? You didn't call me, uh, you didn't let me know anything that's going on. And she said, YG, I went to the doctor, but I didn't go to the doctor that you think. I went to some place and I had an abortion. I killed your kids. I no longer want to be in a relationship with you. And I killed your kids. And I said, well, why would you do that? Why did you kill our children? Why did you kill Howard and Hank? And she said, get this, John Harris. She said, my friends told me the best way to get a man back who done pissed you off is to kill his kids. And I heard her friends in the background, they were laughing and and they, you know, and I started crying on the phone and they was like, look how soft he is, he crying. We told you he ain't no real man, look at him. He crying over some dead kids. You did right, girl, you did that. And I could not believe what I was hearing. And she hung up the phone. And the amazing thing is, John Henry, many years later when she found out that I was in politics, and she saw me on Facebook because there aren't too many YG Nightstorms in the world. I'm real easy to find. She actually reached out to me, John, and she said, YG, I want to tell you something. And I didn't want to hear anything she had to say. I said, you killed our kids. They're gone. She said, I know, but I have to tell you something. I just want to tell you that I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I did it because now I can no longer have children. And I miss our babies, but I have been working hard to help talk to young women to keep them from making the same choices because life is precious, YG. I am so sorry. Please, in Jesus' name, forgive me. And at that point, John, I held her. Now, this is my ex-girlfriend, but I held her. And we cried over the lost life of Howard and Hank together. And I started dedicating myself on following policies that support life, being pro-life. 
And unfortunately, I could not find that in the Democrat Party because every time I would go and do a speaking engagement and I started bringing this up, the organizers will pull me down and pull me to the side and say, hey, you can't talk about that pro-life stuff. This We don't talk about that. You're going to offend people. And I said, these are my children. And they said, it doesn't matter. You as a man do not have a right to speak on this issue. You as a man don't even have a right to mourn the death of your children that was her choice and if she killed your kids then there's nothing you can do about it and at that point john henry when you talk about the death of children because i have my oldest son because i have nine children and the oldest of my nine passed away in 2008 when he was 19 years old so the death of children touches me very deeply i'm a father i'm a parent I am a person who loves my children even in the womb. You cannot tell me that I do not count, that my voice does not count, that those lives of Howard and Hank do not count. And at that point, I decided that there is no way in the world that I could support a party, unfortunately, who has put all kind of support for Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood. And these people have honestly are responsible for over 20 million deaths in the black population and even more of that with just America altogether. But when you talk about the death of children, the most innocent of us, the ones who Christ tells us to protect, the ones who the church tells us to protect, I cannot stand with them. I just can't do it, sir. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you have been uh, a mover and a shaker. Uh, you have had that prophecy prayed over you, fulfilled. What has life been like? I know you, you say you've got uh, nine children. Tell us a little bit about your family now. I have uh, seven children that are still walking around who are, who are alive. And I got, like I said, I got three in heaven um i got my oldest daughter who married an incredible young man and i call him my son too so he's actually uh seven but uh my family dynamic is my babies come first all of them are grown now thank god <laughs> but my children are the major influence of why i do what i do because there are millions of people millions of parents across this country sir who have been affected by situations like this, like through the sex trafficking or, or children being harmed, not only in the church, but within industries, just out here, children being hurt or killed. I cannot rock with organizations that find that, that there's nothing wrong with that. So being a part of the Republican Party, I'm the vice chair of the GOP out here in Georgia and Forsyth County. And I travel around the country on behalf of the president speaking about policies. This ain't about emotions and feelings, but this is about policies that have significantly harmed our people. And if you stand with the church, and I tell anybody, if you are a Christian, if you are a Catholic, there's going to be a time when you're going to draw a line in the sand and you're going to say, I'm either going to stand for God and the policies of my faith, or I'm not. And I chose to stand with the policies of my faith on protecting life at all costs, especially the most innocent of us, sir. 
Absolutely. Last, uh, well, a couple of weeks ago, I had on Jesse Romero, who is a Mexican-American, and he was talking similarly. He just wrote a book about Catholics supporting Trump. But I'm sure from his community, he's gotten a lot of flack. And you, from the black community in America, from the community of African-Americans, have probably had a lot of talk back, a lot of flack. How do you respond? Well, I tell them this, of course, you've been called sellout. Uncle Tom, Coon, tap dancer for white people, you know, white supremacist, apologizer. I think it's crazy. And so when I have these honest conversations, I say, all right, well, let's talk about this thing. Let, let's let's just talk about it. I say, I want you to Google something. And they'll say what? I say, just Google, what did Margaret Sanger say about black people? And they'll look it up and they'll be shocked. And they'll be like, well, who the hell is Margaret Sanger? I'm like, she is actually the person who created Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood is a major per, major organization within the Democrat party. Now, if you want to talk about, since y'all pulling the race card, because I, I hardly ever like to do that. I hate identity politics. But if you want to pull the race card, and if you want to talk about the systemic annihilation of our culture, look no further than the Democrat Party-led Planned Parenthood. That's all you need to see. You can talk about all everything the KKK did, which Ku Klux Klan was Democrats. You can talk about everything they did, and guess what? Planned Parenthood has done even more, and they are assassinating people in our community right now. They're just not born yet. So, and then we also want to talk about policies, like I said, when I talk about Trump and we talk about the 1994 crime bill that Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, and Joe Biden decided to author and decided that this was a good idea, this 1994 crime bill disproportionately affected black and brown people, period. Since you want to play the uh, Trump card, then I'll play this ace card right here. Now, let me tell you this, that bill with that three strikes rule, systematically put away more black fathers and black people in jail periodly. And after all these different administrations and even the Obama administration, Van Jones, a major CNN Democrat contributor, begged the Obama administration to do something about criminal justice reform, but unfortunately it never got done. But Trump did it. And when you talk about racism, he's the most, he gotta be the most racist person in the world where he's freeing black people from jail. He's trying to stop Planned Parenthood from killing black people. And he's pumped more money into historically black colleges than any other president. Man, that dude is just so freaking racist. (laughs) So you have had this unbelievable uh, trajectory, just going from where you were on the streets to, to, um, how are you doing financially right now? I mean, you, you've you've come out of off the streets, of course. You've had seven kids. Presumably, you're doing all right. How are you doing that way? Has your life really has that prophecy uh, of the the man who put the socks on you? Has it been fulfilled in that regard as well? In terms of what what you might call the American dream, or in terms of being able to sustain and care for your family? Well, I tell you this: the American the American dream is different for different people and success is measured differently. To me, success is being able to do whatever I want when I feel like doing it. 
and having the time to control, being able to control my own time. That is what success means to me. It doesn't mean having 100 or 300 million dollars. It's actually being able to live my life the way that I see fit. And that is what has happened for me. And it's all about mindset, uh, John Henry, because while I was on the streets and I was working, I was working like six, seven, sometimes eight different jobs. I was cleaning bathrooms uh, in fast food restaurants, wiping the windows down. And I told them, you keep your employees inside. I will sweep up around the outside. I clean up everything. I take your trash out. All I need from you guys is just a meal and some money and that's all I need and I will work my behind off and I went to different places and I worked and I worked and I worked and that work ethic John Henry is what catapulted me into being able to be in the position where I am now now of course with the crisis going on uh, with the economy uh, tanking right now unfortunately because of the crisis it affects everyone but I would tell you this because of the blessings of God and the grace of God and being able to put myself and my family in certain positions over these years, we got food, the bills are paid, and we're able to take care of ourselves and we're able to be comfortable right now throughout this crisis. There are so many people dealing with this thing in a much, much, much worse way, but I feel very, very blessed to be in the position that I am where none of my kids are hungry, Nobody has to worry about anything. Lights are on and we are good. So, but it's work ethic. It's actually standing with fellow American citizens who believed in me and did not look at me as a skin color. They looked at me as a young man who was determined to make something of very, very bad circumstances. So we can't control our circumstances, but we can definitely control how we come out of those circumstances. So I give all praise and glory to God, to Jesus Christ, and great Americans, white, black, who helped me get out of that situation and get me into the right mindset, sir. Absolutely. Now, really hard thing for a lot of people is overcoming these very difficult circumstances. And you had it, that's, I mean, that's, you know, really near the bottom when you're when you're abused like that, when you're suffering in poverty, abused in so many different ways, and then especially abused by someone in the faith. How did the overcoming of that look like in terms of how did you get to where you are? You've described briefly how you got to, you know, the the roadmap, but working through that, what would have been hatred or repulsion towards God or anything like that to not only uh, faith, but overcoming that right into the church itself, and now with an evident great love for Christ. Well, it was hard. Um, It was very difficult because you have to understand when this happened to me at 11 years old, and I put my faith into this man, and he did what he did, and he said that God is going to dispatch his angels to kill me and my mom in our sleep if I ever told anyone that vitriol, that hatred was very, very, very deep. But I had no choice, especially once I was 18 and I was able to come out of being homeless. And that gentleman put those Argyle socks on my feet. Even though I couldn't fully appreciate the situation then, it made me think. And then I just started looking at the progression of my life. 
I should be dead. There is no way in the world that maybe he could have killed me in that cabin. I, instead of looking at all the wrong things that happened, I looked at the grace that I'm in, that I am still here. I could have been killed on the streets when I was attacked and beat up and robbed and urinated on, or when I was being chased by gangs and I was hiding in the dumpster so they wouldn't kill me on the streets. It is many reasons and many ways how God has spared my life. And I started looking at that. I stopped looking at the things that I don't have and looking at the grace that has been put on my life and that is a difficult thing for people to do but once they break that down and they realize regardless of how bad how dark it has been i am still here i'm still able to be a father for my children i'm still able to be there for other people and share in their pain and bring them up as others have brought me up it is that grace that patient, I had to be patient and I had to see it, John. And I, I tell anybody that I know it hurt. And to forgive people who have tried to destroy you is one of the hardest things you can do. But that forgiveness is not for them, John Henry. It's not for them. That forgiveness and freeing that from you, it's for you. That is God freeing you of that torment of carrying that darkness, that burden of carrying that darkness for the rest of your life and affecting your kids for generations to come. It frees you. And that forgiveness saved my life. And by that grace, that is why I'm so appreciative to whatever I have. And I tell anybody, regardless of what you're going through, that grace of God will free you. And I ain't saying people should not be held accountable for what they do, but through that forgiveness, it frees you from that spiritual, emotional prison that can and will destroy you, sir. Amen. Now, we just uh, have had the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker, who, of course, is, is about work and about fatherhood, both of which speak to your life very much so. Um, what do you make of St. Joseph? Well, I mean, I'll tell you this. Um, St. Joseph is a very, very powerful man. And he, honestly, a lot of people look over St. Joseph. But it took St. Joseph to be able to actually take care of business. To me, he is like the greatest example of taking care of responsibility, stepping up and doing things that other folks can't. Because especially all the things that he was going through at the time. Now, just imagine all the stuff he was going through, all the adversity. He still stood strong to take care of family, regardless of what was going on, regardless of circumstances. And that is what God calls all fathers to do. Being a daddy ain't easy. It ain't. But stepping up to the plate, and taking care of people, taking care of your children, taking care of all the folks that you are in charge of is a challenge. But depending on God and getting the job done, it can change lives. Because right now, his example has changed the entire world over 2,000 years later. Am I right or wrong? Absolutely right. Amazing. Amazing. 
YG Nightstorm, it was so great being with you here on the John Henry Weston Show. How can our viewers see you, see your channel? Where can they reach you? Real easy. Just go to nightstorm.com. That's N-Y-G-H-T-S-T-O-R-M, nightstorm.com. That's my website. You can also hit me up on YG Nightstorm on Twitter, YG Nightstorm on Facebook, and all the information is there. But I just want to say a special thing for you, sir. Before we roll, I want to say thank you so much for everything that you, LifeSite News, all the, all your staff, everybody has done, not only for me in telling my story, but telling the story of so many people that has affected millions of people across the world and bringing light into darkness. We appreciate your sacrifice and everybody that works hard to bring the glory of God to people regardless of race, color, creed, or anything but standing strong for our church and being a great example for what we need to be. So, sir, God bless you. Thank you so much for what you do, sir. Thank you, YG. God bless you, and God bless all of you. We'll see you next time. John Henry Weston. I'd like to invite you to subscribe to the John Henry Weston Show YouTube channel if you haven't already done so. There you will find all the past episodes and much more. Thanks again for watching, and may God bless you.